You're listening to Undetermined, Deaths, Disappearances, and Mysteries. I'm your host, Dr. N. Today, I want to talk about a case where speculation abounds, and it's anyone's guess as to the truth about what happened. Our story starts in Havana, Cuba, 2017, when reports of health problems without obvious sources began coming in from embassy staff members from the United States and Canada. The diplomats claimed they all heard a strange sound from their homes and subsequently experienced dizziness, insomnia, and hearing loss, all troubling symptoms without any known cause. The symptoms appeared suddenly, directly following this strange noise that sounded to some like grating, whereas others described the noise as pressure or vibrations, and it didn't last very long. Strangely, the noise was only heard by certain individuals. People nearby had no memory of the strange noise. Ultimately, two dozen individuals were sent back home to undergo testing and treatment for illnesses with no known cause. There were a number of hypotheses surrounding the source of the noise, believed to be the cause of the symptoms. Of course, President Trump immediately blamed Cuba, believing the event to be an attack using an unknown device. There were rumors at the time that a new sonic weapon had been tested on these individuals. And if you're a fan of the paranormal, you've probably heard of infrasound, which was another hypothesized cause. Typically, infrasound refers to low-frequency sounds below what we can typically hear, or 20 hertz. Since it's below what we can typically hear, to perceive infrasound, the pressure has to be incredibly high. Infrasound occurs naturally, but it can also be man-made. The effects of infrasound are really interesting because it can make people feel uneasy and nervous, and it's commonly used as a scientific explanation for paranormal experiences. Infrasound can physically affect the nervous system of some people by stimulating the vestibular system, mimicking seasickness according to animal studies. It's an interesting theory, but there's limited evidence of the direct effect of infrasound on a human body. The bigger question isn't how, but why. Why would someone want to attack embassy individuals from the United States and Canada? Now, foreign policy is pretty messy at best, and there are a lot of countries who are pretty displeased with the United States who may have wanted to disrupt our peacemaking with Cuba. Maybe the U.S. needed a reason to sabotage its own relationship with Cuba. Maybe this all sounds like a huge conspiracy theory that takes too much rationalization to make sense. Let's go through the other theories about the source of the sound at subsequent illnesses. Other theories range from tangible to intangible. Those who weren't convinced it was a targeted sonic attack believed the sickness may have derived from microwaves, specifically 
Pulsed Radio Frequency Microwave Radiation, or RFMW, exposure. According to the researchers, the noises the diplomats reported were consistent with sounds that can be caused by RFMW via the Frey effect. The Frey effect is also referred to as the microwave auditory effect or the microwave hearing effect, and it consists of our ability to perceive sound induced by pulsed or modulated radio frequencies. Basically, it's when microwaves cause our brains to hear sounds without the assistance of an electronic device. Sounds pretty sci-fi, right? In experimental settings, participants exposed to these frequencies reported hearing the microwave radiation. They described it as buzzing, clicking, hissing, or even knocking noises. The cause of this phenomenon is speculated to be thermoelastic expansion of portions of the auditory apparatus. Moreover, the symptoms experienced mirror those of RFMW exposure which include sleep disturbances, disruptions in cognition, vision, balance, and speech, headaches, and feelings of pressure or vibrations. And even scarier, brain injury and even brain swelling can occur as a result of RFMW exposure. Sounds familiar, right? There is evidence that microwave attacks have been used in the past, the U.S. Embassy in Moscow was targeted in a microwave attack during the Cold War. Scientists disagree on the viability of the microwave attack theory. Further research done on the event in Cuba posited that ultrasound or intermodulation distortion from multiple inaudible ultrasonic signals could have caused the sounds reported by the diplomats. Researchers believed malfunctioning or improperly placed Cuban surveillance equipment could have unwittingly caused this phenomenon. A second theory is that the symptoms were caused by overexposure to cholinesterase inhibitors, which are a class of neurotoxic pesticides that can cause brain injury that was seen in some of the diplomats. These pesticides were used in Cuba at the time as an anti-Zika virus mosquito control tactic, making it a possible cause of the symptoms. A Canadian study found evidence that the symptoms were similar to those of overexposure to this pesticide. However, the study could not rule out other possible causes. The pesticides don't exactly explain the noise, though, or the fact that not everyone in the vicinity was affected. Another tangible theory is the cricket theory. I'm completely serious. Biologists who studied crickets believed the sound could have been caused by the calling song of the Indies short-tailed cricket. The cricket song was similar when compared to the recording that was taken and allegedly contained the noise that the diplomats heard. The paper on this was published last year and drew similar conclusions to a belief held by Cuban scientists back in 2017 that the sound belonged to the Jamaican field cricket. Other scientists believed it to be from a rare jungle cricket. Regardless of the type of cricket, many biologists believe the cricket theory is plausible, but it doesn't explain the physical symptoms, which brings us to the intangible theory. How 
exactly did scientists rationalize the physical symptoms? Many claimed they were psychosomatic. One sociologist even wrote an entire article about how he believed the whole thing was caused by mass hysteria, and the idea that it could be a sonic attack was preposterous to him. He truly believed that the physical symptoms were caused by mass psychogenic illness, claiming a majority of the symptoms such as headache, nausea, and fatigue are common psychogenic complaints. No arguments there, bud. He goes on to pick apart the sonic attack theory by pointing out the vague information that everyone was given about these symptoms and the lack of access to victim medical records. Now, this would be a direct violation of HIPAA, so I absolutely understand why you wouldn't want to release that information, but if the government truly believes it was a victim of a sonic attack and the technology is in fact new, why would they want to help the perpetrators by releasing all of the detailed information about how the attack affected its victims? The sociologist goes on to question the claims of brain trauma as well. His article was written before doctors at the University of Pennsylvania released more detailed documentation of their patients who had been treated for brain injury caused by this unknown external source. The sociologist doesn't believe either in the scientific possibility of sonic weapons since it seems highly improbable that it would work undetected. These theories are all really different from one another. The government comes across as paranoid conspiracy theorists, and given the administration, that's really no shocker. And the psychosomatic explanation comes off as highly dismissive of these people's ailments. It seemed that, from any angle, you could find a convincing enough argument. There was no real evidence, one way or another, apart from the real brain trauma victims experienced. But that didn't mean that it was an attack. It could have been just as easily an accident or an unintended consequence. But then there was China. In 2018, eerily similar reports from the US diplomats in China started rolling in and immediately reminded people of the Havana mystery. Unlike the response in Cuba, the US government dismissed these claims. The symptoms were consistent, and so were the subsequent theories. It wasn't until recently that a real connection was made. So as I was compiling this episode and finishing up my research, I saw an interesting New York Times article published on October 19th, which at this point that I'm recording was two days ago, that made a pointed connection between events in China and the events in Cuba. The political situation surrounding the event was eerily similar, as were the symptoms experienced by the people affected by the mysterious sounds. It lends a lot more evidence to the theory that it was indeed a targeted attack, but there remains no real consensus on that point, despite the events in China. This new event makes it harder to shake off the Havana mystery as coincidental especially the politically charged environment surrounding both of these events. The Times reported the stark contrast in response by the U.S. government from full-blown conspiracy theory to cover-up. 
An investigation into the State Department's handling of the event in China found that they deliberately withheld information, didn't provide adequate or consistent assessments of patients and events, and ignored medical diagnoses altogether. In contrast to the event in Cuba, where most staff members were withdrawn, a travel warning was issued, and an independent investigation was requested, the response in China was not as pointed and not as harsh. They evacuated a number of federal employees, but didn't do much beyond that. They didn't label the China event as an attack as they did in Cuba. No investigation was opened in China. Meanwhile, there's evidence that a similar event happened to a CIA officer in Moscow in late 2017. This only adds credence to the theory that maybe Russia was involved or responsible for the attacks. Many government insiders believe Russia to be the most likely culprit at this time. They have the means and they have the motive. Though of course the US government doesn't entertain this theory in the slightest. So what's Russia's response? Well, some spokespeople from Russia believe in the psychosomatic theory. Interesting and impossible to disprove. A rational explanation for why China was treated so differently than Cuba is that the US was in the midst of a trade deal with China at the time, and Trump needed to be on their good side to get what he wanted. Instead of responding to the event in China, in the same way he responded to Cuba, he decided diplomatic and economic relations were more important. He also had a motive to destroy relations with Cuba, since President Obama had been responsible for smoothing that relationship over. Trump's been very vocal about wanting to destroy that progress. Apparently, the State Department has also been hiding a report from the National Academies of Sciences that conducted a study examining the potential causes of these events, which was provided to the State Department in August of this year, though they refuse to release those findings. Sometimes what appears to be irrational conspiracy theories initially turns out to appear a lot more rational in the long run. Considering all of the facts and circumstances surrounding these events, it appears there is some weight to the targeted attack theory. Sadly, we may never get a definitive answer as to what the source of the noise was, whether it was intentional, and what caused the sickness in the diplomats, leaving this case undetermined. Thank you for listening to episode four. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Please let me know your thoughts on this case. You can connect with me through Instagram at undeterminedpod. If you have an undetermined story of your own, I'd love to share it on the podcast, which you can email to me at undeterminedpod at gmail.com. If you'd like to support this podcast, please subscribe, download episodes, and leave a review. All episode content was researched, written, and produced by me, Dr. N. Sources for all episodes can be found at the link in the episode notes, along with all contact information. All music you hear on this podcast was written and produced by me, Dr. N.